it's episode 21 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And uh, yeah, so uh, coming up on the show today, on this 19th of July 2020, uh, we're going to talk about what's going on in China, uh, plenty of stuff to talk about the election 2020, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, also the issue with the coronavirus in Florida, uh, Disney's our documentary, we're going to do a preview on that as well, Avatar The Last Airbender has broken a record, potentially breaking a record on Netflix, we'll tell you about that as well, uh, Viacom CBS has dropped a long-standing uh, member of their team for anti-semitism i'll tell you about that as well and uh, the crossover that probably very little people asked for and gave us very little in return you are listening to aaron and patricia so before we begin uh, patricia do you want to tell everybody what's going on on the old school lane podcast yes so i'm sure that you guys know for those who have been tuning into my uh channel that i had posted uh two new episodes of my podcast this week um, well, the first one, I'm sure that you guys remember from last week, I actually hinted at this, was the interview with uh, um, Eric Roberts, uh, which I've been talking about for a while. But uh, the episode of uh, Hamilton is already out for you guys to tune, to tune in. But um, also, yes, I finally got my episode out with Eric Roberts. Uh, for those who don't know, he is uh, an actor who has been in many movies, such as the Expendables movies, and uh, he did a lot of voice acting. Uh, you know, he was in uh, Danny Phantom and various others. So, uh, yeah, not only is he uh, Julia Roberts' brother, but he's also the father of Emma Roberts. So um, if you are going to tune in, uh, I would suggest that you would uh, be cautious because there is a brief moment where we do talk about a product that may not be suitable for people under 18, which is why when I uploaded on YouTube, I did um, limit it for people who uh, were less than 18 to listen to it but um well, you just, know babe but just to let you know that this show is actually really mature so like uh, if you want to tell us what it is then <laughs> go, 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 go. okay okay, means, sure. go ahead. okay so the item is called the phoenix it is a device that is helpful for people who have erectile dysfunction oh it really is a phoenix rising from the ashes isn't it so uh... sure absolutely which is why even though that that's not something I usually cover on my podcast, I felt it was very important because I, I, li I looked at the, the people who listen to my podcast on YouTube, which is vastly different from the people who listen to my podcast on Anchor and Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, that a lot of the people that I have tuning in are men and they're um, older men. So I thought that was very important for them to listen so that they can be able to fix a problem that they would have uh, at their own homes. So, uh, but we briefly talked about it and the rest of the podcast is just about his career. And then after that, a few days ago, we finally posted our third episode, uh, no, our 11th episode of the Roald Dahl retrospective talking about the 2005 film Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, a movie that was uh, pretty much uh, the biggest juggernaut out of all the Roald Dahl adaptations, making 40, $475 million and receiving positive reviews from critics, but has nowadays been gotten massive hate. Mm -hmm. I also, I believe you uh, posted up the uh, another episode of Dream Machine in regards to the Penguins of Madagascar. Yes, I posted that on the uh, Anchor feed. Um, that is episode 31, which means that we only have about 10 more weeks to go until I'm officially caught up with all this stuff from DreamWorks uh, at Anchor, and then I'll have to replace it with something else. Yeah. Well, actually, that's something else might actually not be too far off because uh, we're actually going to be doing some more episodes of In Search of the Crystal Skull very soon. That's right, yes. Yeah. So we're definitely looking forward to that. I know that we've been kind of ho-humming with In Search of the Crystal Skull since that was 
considered to be our next project as soon as we were like finished with the Roll Doll retrospective and as we as soon as we're like waiting for a new episodes of Dream Machine and Pixmex to do because well the Croods too and Soul have been delayed because of the coronavirus so this All would right, be nice. Okay, the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. The Backstreet Boys <laughs> reunion tour. <laughs> yes, but uh, we are going to, uh, you know, do uh, in search of the Crystal Skull to tie things up, and uh, we have some really awesome things to be talking about for sure. Exactly, and uh, two of them actually involve like the only two good Disney directed DVD sequels. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like not only good directive disney dvd sequels but at least ones that rotten tomatoes actually deems like hey this doesn't suck it's not complete dumpster fire go watch it yeah okay uh, with all that out of the way let's get on to our first topic uh, so um this is something serious i actually want to bring up and uh, it's uh, something that uh, may not necessarily be down patricia's alley but it's uh, something definitely that i feel like we need to kind of just i need to bring up with everybody now for those of you who do not know the plight of the uyghur muslims currently in xinjiang province in china is uh, something that's been very well documented in the media very well documented on social media and i wanted to kind of bring up an update on you know the uh, the horrific things that are currently going on in that country at the minute so so, um, before all this began, it was um, the Chinese uh, government decided that uh, they were going to house um, all these Uyghur Muslims in these uh, so-called, uh, you know, education uh, facilities, if you will. And uh, if anything, they look like concentration camps. There, there's no, there's no other way to kind of like you look at these things and you think, yeah, this is why these people are being. Uh, detained in this, and uh, purely on the basis that uh, they happen to be Muslims and uh, not so very keen on, uh, you know, the, um, the the Han's Chinese in uh, around Beijing, and uh, not really all that big big fans of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, they decided to round them up, and uh, the more disturbing thing that seems to be coming out of this at the moment is that uh, there's been evidence being uncovered by drone footage uh, of, uh, you know, they've been flying drones and also been doing satellite imagery uh, over the area. And now it seems that uh, these uh, Uyghur Muslims are now being uh, put on trains and uh, being forced to, being bussed pretty much around the country uh, to work in factories. And uh, some of them are actually involved in, uh, from what we've been told, with uh, high-branded retailers. Wow. Yeah. And on top of that as well, um, there's actually, those are the lucky ones. Apparently there are people that are being, being put on trains and nobody knows where they're going. Okay. I'm sorry. That is a huge red flag there. That definitely sounds like something involving with like taking people to concentration camps. Well, there's also talk of this possibly being one, even probably the worst uh, human rights abuser since the Holocaust. Oh my God. No. Yeah. So, um, at the minute, there is a petition, and I've linked it onto the Arrow Message Show Facebook page, so I would urge you all please to sign it, because um, what is going on right now in this country is un- is unbelievably disgusting. And uh, for, for those of you who think that, you know, I spend too much time focusing on uh, Black Lives Matter in the United States of America, you know, like, uh, there's the Hong Kong democracy protests that are currently going on in, chi- in, uh, in Hong Kong at the moment. There's also the situation in, uh, for Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang province at, the, at this time. There's, there's a, you know, the, this is not taken focus away. So uh, for those of you, anyone who is in Britain right now who, uh, who uh, you know, are aware of uh, the Majeski Act, 
and uh, that is to apply sanctions on people who are involved in uh, these types of abuses. I urge you all, please, to go onto that Facebook page and sign that petition and uh, get our government uh, aware that we do not accept this, uh, what's going on over there right now in the uh, in the Republic of China at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So I urge everybody to uh, please uh, go over there and uh, sign that position uh, as, as soon as they can. So I would like to bring that up to everyone's um, attention as well. By the way, uh, something even worse than this is that uh, the car crash interview that took place with the Chinese ambassador to London uh, that took place on the Andrew Marr show, where they actually showed them all this footage and he pretty much sat there looking pretty uncomfortable and pretty much having to toe the, the Communist Party of the Chinese Communist Party line that all this stuff is fake and that, you know, this is uh, not real and uh, yada, yada, yada. Pretty much pretty much a denial of reality of what's going on down there, pretty much. Of course. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not too surprising. Well, I would like to remind him that uh, it, just in case this ever comes up uh, to this, partic in this particular type of situation, um, I, I was just following orders is not a defense. And the Nuremberg trials of the Nazis show that, okay? So yep. I, I would I would urge the Chinese ambassador to think very carefully about what side of history he's on. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because you know, if um, if he gets like caught and put uh, put in jail and then go on to trial, wow. as soon as this whole thing is over, then yeah, he's not going to be able to stand up and say, "But I was just following orders." It's like, no, you can't do that. I mean. You are against human decency. Well, well, we'll find out that soon enough. I mean, whether he's actually going to face any punishment. This is the problem with, uh, you know, um, not just government in China, but just governments around the world. They seem to uh, seem to be very, very uh, good at avoiding justice when they when they themselves break the rules. And I think that's where I think that's a problem that we have right now with uh, with governments, not just in China but uh, around the place. Like these powerful people seem to never seem to face any uh, uh, comeuppance from what they from 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 what they sow, you know. Yeah. And I think that's a, I think that's a massive issue. I think with uh, that uh, you know, government accountability needs to be a thing accountable to its people. I think needs to be uh, seriously looked at. And uh, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you know these are all comparable. They're all different. They're all different scenarios. But uh, right now, um, in regards to what's going on in China, we we have to highlight what this because this this can't be avoided. This is on, this is uh, uh, this, this this all of this cannot be ignored. What's going on right, right now? So, I like to bring that up. Um, okay, so focusing from that, um, I like to turn over to the American election. Finally, so uh, let, let's just okay. uh, talk, let's talk about this for a second. So, um, first thing is is that uh, the Trump rallies seem to be postponed for the foreseeable future. From the looks of this, the New Hampshire rally is not going to go ahead. So, I mean, it, it, obviously, because you know uh, we have the case in which when not a lot of people showed up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because of various reasons. And we even talked about in the last show about that that defeat was just so crushing for Trump that he had decided, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore because apparently you don't like me. Yeah. So Here's the thing about this, though, Patricia. Like, um, there's another thing to this as well. Like, uh, they're telling the president, and well, they're telling Donald Trump, you know, quote-unquote the president, and they're telling everybody else, that, oh, you know, these um, rallies are not going ahead because of health concerns and things like that. So that, that that's the line they're towing, the advisors and everybody like that, like his inner circle. But privately, apparently, according to uh, people who, some of the reporters who, are, you know, get uh, access to these people, apparently the real reason is because they're afraid of uh, Donald Trump turning up to an empty stadium. <laughs> 
Oh, the taste of irony. Yeah. I just love it. So, uh, to be honest with you, like, if uh, if TikTok users and K-pop stands are going to keep buying tickets and not turning up, like, uh, the thing is as well, like, uh, this is only, like, the interior part of this. Like, uh, you know, do you remember in the rally in Tulsa when they had an open-air, like, other place that, uh, they, you know, if you didn't have a ticket, you could just turn up. And you could listen to the president outside because he was going to do another address. And the fact that people who could, even when they're free events, nobody turned up, and they just had to pretty much take down the stage and just to have basically whoever was left inside. Yep. You know, like it's it's miserable. It really is miserable. Pretty much. Yeah, not. I mean, I, they're pretty much finished with his facade. They they want to hear action. They want to be able to see things do right. I mean, people want to see, um, you know, the coronavirus settle down. People want to see, um, you know, African-Americans and other people have the same rights as white people. But unfortunately, you know, he's been hiding in the bunker of the White House, not saying anything. And then whenever he does come up and say something, it's some of the stupidest things you could ever imagine. And he's not resolving anything. Do you know what's amazing me? I'm really surprised that his advisors are not trying to protect him. You know, like, uh, he, I mean, I guess maybe that's the reason his old campaign manager was trying to do it. Now, now he's sacked, and they got this other bozo to do it. And oh, uh, so, yeah, like, uh, and uh, there was, uh, did you see the Chris Wallace interview on Fox News? No. Uh, I know, well, none of us watch Fox News, so obviously no. But, uh, I mean, here's a clip I'm going to play from this, and oh my goodness, is it awkward. Like, this is like car crash kind of like you know where we're going with this so let me play this clip and uh, let me just tell everybody basically what is going on so i'll set the stage it's uh um donald trump sitting opposite with um chris wallace who quite frankly you know, when you walk into when you have a republican president walking into a fox news interview like that, that, mm -hmm. that, that should be there, there said and done shouldn't it like you know like yeah. uh, that should be like the best interview he could possibly do Mm -hmm. Are we agree on that? Okay, let's just see 46 seconds of the interview, a clip of the interview, and then Chris Wallace after the fact, and then let's just make our minds up and see what we think of all of this. Because they wanted to fund the police, and Biden wants to fund, to fund no, he, the police. Sir, he does not. Look, he signed a charter with Bernie Sanders. It Redo says nothing about the, defunding the oh, police. Oh, really? It says abolish, it says fund. Let's go. All right. Get well, me, you, get you, me the charter, please. All right. <laughs> so that led to a very interesting exchange where he had his staff go out and get the highlights from that 100-page compact that the Biden team and the Trump team, uh, rather the Biden team and the Sanders team had signed, and he went through it uh, and he found a lot of things that he objected to that Biden has agreed to, but he couldn't find any indication, because there isn't any, that Joe Biden has uh, sought to defund and abolish the police. Because they want that's Fox News. Y y you would think in regular circumstances they would do something to cover all that up. Wow. What? Like, okay. uh, I'm, I'm amazed. Like, uh, you know, uh, they, they, you would have thought that Chris Wallace, if he was towing the, 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 the right-wing conservative crazy man, crazy uncle at Thanksgiving line, you'd think that uh, he would turn around and say, oh, yeah, you know, he showed me the charter, and there it is all in there, and just, you know, just lie about it. But no, Chris Wallace has even had enough. Fox News Chris Wallace. I think that a lot of people from Fox News are having enough, because here's the thing, like... You know, they support Republicans wholeheartedly, but I think they're starting to hate Trump because well, yeah, he's just saying a whole bunch of nonsense 
that is even baffling for them. It's like, yeah, even, like, how, how amazing that, even at the, at the very bottom of the ocean, Fox News somewhere has standards. Uh, I mean, you know what? We have seen our, our, our government crash so low that I think that our standards as how we run as a country is slowly starting to come back because we saw what would happen if we don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, um, there was the embarrassing news of Trump's poll numbers, and oh my goodness, it, in some areas he's as low as down as thirty six percent. Oh boy, he's, he's he, and here's the thing about this: like, uh, there'll be people asking, oh, how low can he go? Oh, he can go low. I mean, over the years, Aaron, when we've been doing the Aaron Meta show, and then just as recently, Aaron and Patricia, thirty six percent. Uh, trust me. I mean, like we said it like, you know, uh, how low can he go for like, you know, all the things that he's done, everything from like signing the Muslim ban and, you know, putting up the wall and sending, um, you know, immigrants to these detention camps and all that kind of stuff. We were saying all the time, what is the worst that he can do? And he has failed to surprise but, us. But it's, it's just a, well, what, it, just, it, does, it just doesn't make much sense, though, because like uh, at, the, at the same time, like, he's hovering in the 30s now, pretty much in regards to approval rating. But in the Republicans, he's holding uh, the party about 94%. So, I mean, either the Republican Party is getting smaller... And, you know, there's probably not as many Republicans as we're being led on to believe now. You know, maybe maybe probably a good majority of them maybe have died or have left. I, I have no idea. You know, if uh, I, I'm, be, I'm very surprised because the Republican Party, from what I've been told, has started bringing in new members uh, from it since Trump's basically been, been, been the guy. But, yep. you know, it's, uh, well, how on earth can it be that in certain polling that he can pull in 94% of Republican voters, but at the same time only hold about 36% of national approval rating? I don't know. I, I mean, that is actually a really good question because we discussed last week about, um, you know, the guy who has predicted, uh, you know, like most of the time of who was going to be the next winner of the presidential election term. And he said that, you know, Trump has over 90% chance of winning a second term. And I, I, I even, you know, talked about this, about like, you know, there are people out there that love Trump more than they hate Joe Biden. So I think that, um, you know, seeing that, oh, you know, uh, you know, Trump is, uh, you know, with us in which, you know, he he doesn't like wearing a mask and he doesn't, um, you know, approve of all this protesting and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't like that stuff either. And, you know, he's drawing in the lowest common denominator in terms of people who approve of racism and people who approve of, you know, not protecting themselves so that they cannot get other people sick. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's showing the true ugliness of America. Yeah. Um, I guess we might want to also bring this element into it as well, because this is the thing about this. Obviously, you and I talked about the 13 keys yesterday about, sorry, last week about uh, Donald Trump not winning, Donald Trump winning the election. And yes. uh, so there's, uh, and I've been saying for the get-go that, uh, you know, Donald Trump's still in it to win it, as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's down, but he's not out. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, think, I, think, I think when everyone starts to turn around and say, yeah, this guy's not going to survive, like, I think when it all starts becoming quite universal at this point, I don't think it's fully universal yet. 
I think uh, the way that so people are talking about. It. I think I think when I don't know, I'm just going to look what what my you know full telltale signs that the the world is collapsing around this around this you know this um, you know orange face lunatic. You know, I mean, I'm just wondering when uh, we turn. I mean, a lot of people are saying about actually, there's one thing actually we didn't uh, mention in the. Uh, um, in the, when we're planning out the show, is that uh, you know we've kind of lost over the fact that Mary Trump's released a book. Oh, I think uh, we did mention that briefly uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, did we? Yeah, I think. Well, we we talked about that uh, it was being blocked, but we didn't actually say that it was actually out now for people to buy. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, we and, we were talking about it like before the book came out, like a, an announcement saying like, oh, I wrote this book about my uncle and about all the things that he said and about everything about the Trump family. And it's like, oh, you know, uh, they were trying to block it because it's like, oh, we don't want to release bad publicity on our president. Yeah, and good grief. One million copies. Over Oof. one million copies. You know, and uh, here's the thing about this: like, you know, Mary Trump has not been in the limelight for like uh, for years. You know, the first of that they're using to promote is is, uh, is is ancient, as far as wow. and now all of a sudden she's making appearances on, uh, you know, on Rachel Maddow and uh, now on, on ABC and things like that. So um, she's now becoming the you know the uh, the center of attention pretty much in regards to how the president thinks and works and things like that. So and here's the thing about this: I tweeted about this earlier that uh, I have no reason to believe that uh, Mary Trump is not telling the truth. I don't either. I mean, like, I think that she is legitimately saying some things because obviously, you know, she is from this family and her and this family has pretty much like dismissed her because, well, she is not like the rest of them. She's she's the odd one. She's the black sheep of the family. And well, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, I, think, I think being the black sheep of the Trump family is not necessarily a bad place to be. <laughs> when you when you agree, like you know, like uh, look at the look, you know, this uh, look at the Trump family. I just kind of look like they they almost look like the monsters, really. When you oh think about it, it's like you know they are really just a, a really a really awful looking family. If you really think about it, yeah. they're not the Adams family. They're the monsters, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, they're they're the lesser version of the Adams family. But yeah. uh, it's just it's. Uh, I just can't believe, uh, actually, and if we had to go any further than that, I say they're the they're the, they're the classic monsters. They're the monsters today, you know. If you if you remember, <laughs> if you remember that from the nineties, but uh, a bit more successful, I probably imagine. Um, yeah, I just think that um, well, what Mary Trump is doing. I mean, if it's proven somewhere that anything that she said in her book is not factual. You know, I'll, oh yeah, I'll, and, and, and you did you hear the recent interview that she was saying about like how she heard her uncle say anti-Semitic terms? Well, that doesn't none of that would surprise you. Would yeah, it? of course not. But here's the thing: if it has been proven to be confirmed, then let's be honest. I mean, that kind of stuff will not go really well with a lot of people, and he'll be chucked out. We'll, well talk about that later. Let's let's, right. let's let's see. Let's see. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I'm really waiting for that one thing to kind of... I know that the, the book is devastating. No doubt about that. The poll numbers are terrible. No doubt about that. I just think we, we need to start seeing some cracks in kind of like, you know, the, the the lines, if you will. So, you know, you know those diehard fans who just will say, will vote for Trump no matter what he does. Like, uh, I'm waiting to see which predominant figures now start to say, yeah, this guy's not going to win, I'm going to bow out. 
or who's basically going to be with him till the end. And if you end up coming into October and you, the only people that seem to be with him are Diamond and Silk and every other crazy, you know, batshit insane conservative that uh, you know, or like, you know, some people who, you know, brush along with white supremacy and things like that. You know, some of the people you know who are basically, you know, uh, uh, t uh, basically use toilet water at this point. Like, you know, uh, the, those types of people. If they're still there... Um, and they're the only people that are around, and every intelligent person has abandoned the White House. You know, like, I would definitely say at this point that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is, is done, I think, at the point. Yeah. I think, if anything, he's just administrating his exit at this yep. point. That is, if, he even, if they manage to even get him out of the White House, I have no idea. But uh, yeah. I think while we're, while we're talking on, you know, used toilet water, I think we should probably bring this up too. Uh, Kaylee McCamery, who is the um, White House press secretary, and, uh, oh my god... Like, um, you know, I've heard stories about her that uh, she doesn't really believe in some of the bullshit that she's spewing on uh, on the stage. And that she's, she's purely just basically just uh, doing what she's told. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, she, she doesn't really like it. I don't, I don't, from what someone told me on Twitter, that apparently when uh, she, for, when someone met her, that apparently she doesn't really, she's so shallow, she holds no, like, political beliefs whatsoever. She basically just believes in just getting the job done. You know, she, she's one of those people, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, the person at work who doesn't really kind of like believe in what they're doing. They're just kind of just doing it because it's going to get them somewhere, you know, like, right. it's just like they, they're not really passionate in the work. They're basically just passionate in just trying to get ahead of everybody else and mm -hmm. and they'll they'll do anything to do it, you know, where, no matter how degrading it is, you know, like she she's that person at your workplace. Basically, so yeah. <laughs> um, she made the comical uh, comment and uh, about apparently that mail-in ballots might not necessarily be uh, effective because postal trucks may burst into flames. What? Yeah, she said this in a um, in a press briefing a couple of days ago uh, this week, and uh, yeah, I just think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It, oh. it really is. And, uh, you know, I'm just, it's funny, like, I watch these press briefings now with David Backman in the background, by the way, just, you know, basically interjecting wherever he can, because we all know how, I, I just need him for, you know, when I, when I watch one of these things, I just need, I need to like to watch it with somebody. And when you watch it with David Pakman, um, I just feel like, you know, he, he gets you through the insanity when he does that, because he basically brings in comments that bring you back down to earth and tell you basically why things are, she's saying is absolute bullshit. You know, mm -hmm. and so um, if you, by the way, if, if you're gonna watch a White House press press briefing, I urge everybody to go watch it with David Pakman uh, on the David Pakman show, because you know he's he's basically got all the retracts, all the the um uh the, the comebacks basically, and all the and all the interjections that you would need to you know basically get through the lies and get to the actual truth of what's going on, and you know get over the facade. And so wow. uh, that's 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 what he's good at, and that's what he does. So, uh, if you're going to watch a, a Kaylee McHenry uh, press briefing in the White House, watch it with David Pakman. That's, uh, that's all I've got to say for that. Okay. And so, uh, also, just to wrap up the election, did you hear what uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez recently said about the Democratic Party? What did she say? Uh, she said that uh, the in America, they don't really have a left-wing party. The Democratic Party in itself is a center-conservative party. Um... Uh... I don't think that's how it works. Well, I mean, I'll try. Tell you what, I'll bring up basically the uh, the the full thing. And uh, by the way, my 
I do apologize, everybody. My keyboard constantly uh, stops working from time to time, and uh, I'm using my old one today. So, uh, uh, this is the Democratic Party. So uh, she recently said this in an, in an interview um, when uh, she was uh, doing this on Newsweek, and uh, I believe I thought I post. Uh, I did post a uh, film about this, and no, it's uh, not there anymore. Okay, I do apologize, everybody. I'm sure I pretty much posted up on there. But basically what she said was, is that uh, the De the Democratic Party is... Uh, so the United States of America right now lacks a left-leaning party, so to speak. So, I mean, which is fair to say, because if you compare it to other left-leaning parties across the world, like, none of them uh, are, are as, as forgiving as uh, the Democratic Party is in the United States of America. And so I'll... Oh, hang on a second, I've got it right here. So, Newsweek, uh, she basically said, um, she's a progressive who's in New York, made the remarks uh, during an event honoring Martin Luther King Day on Monday. Uh, she associates that she sides with the iconic civil rights leader, believes that capitalism has gained poverty into society and argued for major political reform. Uh, so basically she said this, I don't, we don't have a left party in the United States, the Democrat pa pa Democratic Party is not a left party. Uh, the Democratic Party is a centre or centre conservative party. Uh, further making a point, she says, we can't even get a floor vote on Medicare for All, not even a, f a, not even a floor vote that gets voted down. Uh, we can't even get a vote on it, so it's not a left party. So right. Basically, she's making comments on the f the how frustrating it is, basically, to get Democratic members to get, get some things like that on the, in, on the House floor. I think that's what yeah. she's getting at. Right. And I, I think that, um, now that you're saying it, I mean, I guess, like, when you're saying like, oh, you know, it's not like leaning too much toward the left. Like there's no extremism compared to like the right wing party, which they're like really extreme. I guess that maybe if you're trying to say that you're central, that means that you believe in something that um, is said in the D Democratic Party. But then you believe in something else that is said in the Republican Party. So that would make you center. Tell you what, I've actually got a one minute 11 clip. Just give me one, one minute. I'll play this and uh, we'll make our minds up over this. And what you right, said there. earlier, too, I wanted to go back. Um, to what you said about our left party. We don't have a left party mm. in the United States. Mm. The Democratic Party is not a left party. Mm. Mm. Um, the Democratic Party mm. is a center or center conservative party. Mm. We do not advocate for, we do not, we can't even get a floor vote on Medicare for all. Mm -hmm. Not even a floor vote that gets mm -hmm. voted down. Mm -hmm. We can't even get a vote on it. Mm -hmm. So this is not a left party. Mm -hmm. There are left members inside the Democratic Party mm -hmm. that are working to try to make that shift happen. Mm -hmm. um, but you're right, it does convey a certain uh, sentiment about true believers. Mm -hmm. and, um, and there are a lot of true believers in that we can capitalism our way out of poverty. Mm -hmm. um, in the Democratic Party. If mm -hmm. anything, that's probably the majority. Right. Um, and that's an area in which I agree with Dr. King mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that assessment is flawed. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's uh, her, me not just saying to you that she said it, that's her saying it. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, think about this. Like, uh, uh, in regards to this whole aging debate on socialism versus capitalism, here's the thing about this. I don't believe in one or the other. I believe in both. You know, I believe in a capitalist system to basically generate money so that uh, we can, basically, people can raise taxes in order to basically pay for things like that and generate a good economy and give people jobs and give people a sense of living. 
you know, at the end of the day. So, and, uh, you know, as long as it's uh, done structurally and it's done fairly for workers. So, capitalism in that regard, I don't particularly have problems with. Socialism is uh, the, you know, the social safety net. You know, when you fall on bad times, whether you're disabled or whether you're, you know, um, you uh, are unemployed or, you know, you have children to look after and things like that. Like, you know, it's an investment you're making in your populism, in your in your population. And so I feel like uh, that, in a way, socialism in that regard is needed. And so when you have a fair balance between the two, then you obviously get things like, uh, you know, you get uh, programs that can be paid for. You have a happier uh, bunch of people who, uh, you know, want to work and uh, want to pay taxes and want to do all this stuff. And you have uh, a lot of people who are getting well, getting wealthy for, uh, you know, bringing good ideas to the table and uh, being able to uh, create jobs for people, you know? Like, so... Uh, you know, there's this old thing like uh, the, the, the the things that frustrate me about these debates that we have in regards to socialism and capitalism is that um, we we put one against the other, but we never think of having a hybrid model ever mm. ever at all. Like it's it's always absolute on one side, which I think is uh, I just think is the wrong conversation to have. Wow. So, yeah. Um, let's move on. Um, so Black Lives Matter protests are still going on. Portland's protesting into its 51st day. Wow. So, and on top of that as well, like, uh, the responses that they are getting is anything, is putting, is making the crowds larger. Because have you recently heard about what's going on in Portland, Oregon at the minute? No, I haven't. Okay, federal militias are kidnapping people. Oh my God! They're, they're, why? Uh, what else can I describe it? I mean, like uh, they're they're getting in unmarked cars, they're going around the streets, and they're basically they're just randomly pulling people off the streets and bringing them into cars. And uh, then they're uh, then afterwards, if they feel like they've got something to charge them with, then they'll read their Miranda rights, uh, right, you know, right after they've they've already captured them, which is uh, totally the wrong way you go about enforcing that the, the, and uh, if they, if that yeah, is legal- exactly i mean it, it makes you look like that uh you know it's a corrupt government uh you know trying to say oh you know you can't say that about our government we're going to take you away and we're going to silence you so that we can be able to keep uh the way things are that's not suspicious at all well on top of that as well like look how this looks i mean th- this is supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave last time i checked the propaganda but you know, like uh, now you've got these bunch of of, um, of uh, you know Gestapo going around on the streets, pretty much acting like any uh, other authoritarian country that would be there. This is stuff you see in Venezuela. This is stuff you see that happens in North Korea. This is stuff you see that happens in Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, never in my life would I think I'd be describing this type of tactic in the United States of America. But here we are, people. And wow. uh, it's just, it's uh, it's crazy that uh, stuff like this is going to happen. By the way, um, local politicians in Portland are now challenging this in federal court. So um, there's a possibility that uh, the legal system may potentially stop it. But apparently um, the uh, the acting uh, uh, officer for the Department of Homeland Security, he's not looking to just keep this in Portland. He's thinking of doing this countrywide. So in Chicago and in other places where these protests are getting hot right now and or even other areas just, just in general, like he's thinking of basically putting these militiamen on the streets so they can uh, round them all up and uh, capture them and uh, do whatever the hell they want with them. You know, wow. like, uh, I'm pretty sure there's something in... The, I'm pretty sure there's something in law that shouldn't allow that to happen. But, it's, uh, you know, uh, with, with this president and this, and this government, you know, like, uh, the, 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 the gloves are off at this point. 
So I think so. And here's the thing about this, like, now that they know this type of stuff is going on, I mean, like, uh, how long until somebody gets killed in one of these situations? Yeah? Yeah. It's it's bound to happen. Exactly, yeah. And uh, so, I mean, like, how long until this starts getting mad? You know, they keep saying, oh, it's, uh, you know, because these violent protests and stuff like that. You know, you know this, this is just, the, the, what you're seeing here is not the worst that this can get. It can get far worse than this. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, you should be, you should be grateful that this people now. Like, and all that as well, like, when, when, they, when they learned this happened, you know, 400 more people turned up, you know, the next night. And it's, it's to the point where now, um, you know, mom groups, you know, these groups that should be talking about, you know, what their kids should be doing at school next year. You know, now these people are coming out on the streets to protest as well and uh, are linking arms uh, next to the uh, federal courthouse in Portland. You know, um, pro- pro- you know, protesting against this uh, violence, ex- you know, extreme response from the from the federal government. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is not just um, this is becoming bigger than Black Lives Matter now over in Portland. They're basically fighting for their rights. Yeah. Pretty much exactly. at this point. Yeah. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I wish them all well, and uh, I hope that they're going to. Also, I hope that uh, lawsuits. By the way, ACLU is getting involved. So you know, you know when the ACLU is getting involved, it's it, that that's downtime for for people in regards to that. So uh, yeah, so that's going on in Portland right now. Um, so also on top of that as well, they're still using less lethal weapons when the, even though the police are not allowed to use them. Apparently, the uh, the federal guard, the the federal officers apparently are not under those scenes. So if they want to fire and shatter people's skulls with like uh, these uh, stinger grenades and uh, whatever else they fire through, that's, uh, that's that they're perfectly capable of doing that apparently, which I'm sure mm-hmm. that in itself will also get challenged. Right. So, you know, like, uh, here's the thing about this as well. I really hope Democrats aren't listening to what I'm saying and thinking that somehow this is all going to make sure that they have the election in the bag. Let me tell you something. This isn't about Democrats and Republicans. This is about a system that they these people believe are corrupt. And if they believe the Democrats are no better than the Republicans, they're not going to turn up. You know, fuck yeah. you. They're not going to turn up for you. Like, if they feel like uh, there's uh, no, no, th- th- this is not going to get any bit better under a Biden presidency than it will be under a Trump presidency, what's the point of coming out? You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, if they're not going to be, um, you know, this, this, this is where Biden has to step up, I think. I'm sorry to go back into the election again, but I think somewhere down the line, Joe Biden has to give, a, you know, at least an indication that he's going to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen. And like, and he's, I think he's going to be put on the uh, on the on the burner for this. I believe in the debates, and I believe in uh, in future things as well. Like uh, whether he's actually going to, um, I mean, obviously he's not going to side side with defunding the police. I mean, that's something that he said he's not going to do. So that regard, I don't know how distant he is away from uh, the people on the ground, but uh, he's he's got to do something because uh, he's if he's banking on the fact that Trump is so awful that people are just going to come going over to him, it ain't going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's negligence. On the highest degree. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on further that, because we're not much else to kind of discuss about that, really. Just um, keep supporting Black Lives Matter and just uh, keep supporting these people because uh, they're in uh, they're not in a great place right now. I don't know that. But uh, also, people who are also in a great place is the, uh, the Sunshine State of Florida, uh, still recording high amounts of coronavirus cases. Yep. And, uh, did you see those? I mean, this wasn't Florida, but uh, did you see those comedians in California? Uh, they were actually offering out free masks to people. 
And, yeah, uh, I, I saw that. Exactly, yeah. You know, it, it's a free mask to protect you from a deadly disease, and people are saying, oh, no, I prefer to be free to kill myself rather than actually, you know, putting a mask on and protecting myself and protecting other people around me. Or even worse, I'll be free to possibly kill my own friends and family. You know, it's just, uh, I hate these people. I really do. Like, uh, just, so, I mean, like, in regards to, uh, wearing a mask, I mean, here's the thing about this, like, at the very beginning, even I was kind of skeptical about it, because I thought, well, because you're touching it, you know, you, you, any of the virus that gets on your hands, obviously, you're putting it behind your ears and things like that, but no, like, uh, the fact that the researchers come out to say, you know, ask masks are a, are a big deal, you should wear one, like, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I've, I've got quite a couple here myself. You know, and yep. uh, no doubt I'll be... I'll, and no, it's not that as well. Um, in 24th of July, uh, come here. Not only uh, do, um, you know, people... You know, the science say that uh, masks are also effective. The government's making it mandatory that if you enter a shop, you have to wear a mask. Good. Yeah. So, um, basically, people are on your side there, so... Anyway, we're getting through this pretty quickly, but uh, uh, maybe we're going to have some really longer discussion here, I think, in the second part of the show. So, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Uh, Disney's Howard documentary is going to be coming out. He's been uh, noted for some of the biggest uh, Disney songs in this. So, uh, Patricia, I'll give you the floor first. I mean, uh, your thoughts on uh, uh, describing Disney's Howard in documentary form? It's, it's long overdue, let's be honest. I mean, for those who have... Uh been huge Disney fans over the past um, 30 years. And I mean, there's a likely chance that you would have at least listened to a song written by Howard Ashman because he has written some of the most beloved songs that has ever featured in Disney's history. I mean, you know, he will be remembered um, as like one of the de facto people writing some of these amazing songs. I mean, he's up there with the Sherman brothers as well um, when it comes to like, you know, writing some of the songs that, you know, people still sing to to this very day uh, if they are like oh, for karaoke or if they're watching something like Disney related or anything like that. But anyway, so, yes, he has written the songs for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and he did write a handful of songs for Aladdin right before he passed away due to AIDS. Uh, so... Yeah, Howard Ashman, alongside with uh, his composer uh, slash uh, collaborator friend Alan Menken, they had composed a lot of these songs that a lot of people remember. And I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, this man's story should be told because, you know, it's a story of tragedy about how he was taken away from us way too soon. So a lot of people know that uh, Howard Ashman was gay and he, um, like many people uh, who were, you know, gay in the 1980s, um, they were caught in the uh, HIV pandemic. And unfortunately, because, you know, a lot of people were not familiar with what HIV slash AIDS were, he unfortunately succumbed to a sickness uh, at, you know, around his early 40s. So, uh, that's why, uh, you know, I'm sure that if he would have lived uh, long enough, I'm sure he would have composed many songs for Disney. I mean, like, uh, you know, he was going to finish writing the rest of the songs for Aladdin, but when he passed away, Tim Rice was uh, collaborating with um, Alan Menken to finish off his work. And, well, I mean, that's actually interesting. I mean, a what-if scenario, but, like, what if Alan, uh, what if um, Alan Menken and uh, Howard Ashman would have composed the rest of the songs? I think that you know music for the Lion King and Pocahontas and the rest of those songs from the from the Renaissance era would have sounded completely different. But 
it just makes you wonder, you know. Yeah, I mean, like uh, he was in his forties at the time when he passed away, you know, uh, in the uh, in the in the late in the in the, in the early nineties. So yeah. it's, uh, it kind of makes you wonder, like you know, it's. Uh, I mean, on top of that as well, like uh, I mean, would he have necessarily stayed at Disney? Like you know, uh, uh, people at that time usually kind of like uh, got caught up in the politics of the business and uh, would end up kind of like breaking off there on their own and uh, you know doing their own thing. I mean, for you know, like, true. Could, I mean, a he, lot he of could he could he, he could have been one of the people who ended up kind of like falling out with uh, with Disney at the time and going off to DreamWorks. Who knows? Yeah, like, that is know. true. That, that I mean, that could have been a possibility because a lot of people from Disney left to do DreamWorks. I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, the amazing art and animation that Prince of Egypt um, did. And that was a lot of people who worked on Disney. Mm-hmm. Mind you, like, uh, I think you probably walk in there and like, uh, so uh, what music do you think you're going with? Like, well, we're thinking of uh, Smash Mouth by All Star, you know? Uh... Like, uh, yeah, like... Uh, I'm not too sure how he would take to that, but uh, mind you, like, uh, well, he had his, mind you, uh, there's one thing we have to do note, which I think is kind of hilarious a little bit in a way, like, uh, I mean, let's get this one, this guy did a little pet shop of horrors, this guy did a uh, yeah. little shop of horrors, yeah, and he did Oliver and Company as well, which, uh, you know, unfortunately, like, was one of, like, the first casualties to, like, you know, the Don Bluth era, you know, like, because uh, Don Bluth, if you remember, won, won out with uh, his, his, his uh, movie before Oliver and Company did, and then he got he kicks off the Disney Renaissance era with The Little Mermaid. And so, mm-hmm. obviously, he got uh, into that. But uh, um, between Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, he did uh, do one particular thing, which I think he will probably want to keep quiet about, which is uh, his contributions to uh, cartoon all-stars to the rescue of uh, Wonderful Ways to Say No. That is true, yeah. He, he was a big contributor to that, yeah. Those drugs are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you have to understand that this was during the time period where we had a lot of these like anti-drug, you know, specials like commercials and uh, promotions and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure he was just doing it because, you know, uh, that's I mean, it was just the nature of uh, the industry back then. So, yeah, yeah, I, I also was all that as well. Like, I guess in a way he could be commended for at least trying to like take different characters from like different genres and different companies and things like that and trying to meet in the middle of like trying to like put a message together. I guess you could say. Because give this in mind, like uh, he had to somehow get lyrics there for Michelangelo and turtles don't sing. You know, nope. like, and uh, then he had to also bring in Alvin and the Chipmunks, who were, like, on the other scale of, like, trying to sing. <laughs> you know, like, uh, who can sing. And so, mm-hmm. like, uh, I guess, in a way, I guess in some, I, I don't know, like, uh, people ridicule this song now pretty much. But I guess, at least he should be, uh, uh, amen- I guess he should be amended for his attempt to try and uh, get so many different characters and some different levels of, like, how to, like, you know, get them all together and just do something. You know, so yeah, uh, it, it might have not have been an easy task, to say the least. But Very you know, true. But, but, but putting all that aside, like you know, he uh, he was a lyricist for Beauty and the Beast. He also did some songs for Aladdin, as we all know. He did Arabian Nights, A Friend Like Me, and Prince Ali, which mm-hmm. obviously are classic songs, uh, to, yep. to say the least. And so you know, it's just uh, yeah, like uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody just uh, you know talk about yeah. But the one th- th- is the one. Um, Stories I like to hear about. It's not just like when he's producing the music. I like to hear like uh, you know who's who a guy is behind the scenes. You know, like uh, it's like uh, oh yeah, like uh, you know uh, back in the day, this is like uh, uh, how I get, was inspired by his creativity. You know, when he was just basically doing this, that, and the other between between works. 
you know. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking forward to those types of stories, right? You know, because I think the, those types of things I think give you far more of an insight into somebody more than kind of like saying, oh, well, you know, when we here's the here's the the platter of everything that he did. And, oh, look how great that is, and look how great that is. But, like, you know, sometimes I like to think about what's under the hood, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right. So, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, too. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we're going to move over to Netflix now. And so, uh, Patricia, would you believe this? Um, we all know about SpongeBob SquarePants being the, the numero uno of uh, Nickelodeon. And Nicktoons mm-hmm. and anything on uh, on Viacom CBS, but uh, oh my goodness, Avatar: The Last Airbender now in the top ten for the fifty seventh day. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. So um, I just think that uh, you know, I, I say this from the get go. Nickelodeon were onto a winner here in regards to this, and it's understandable that they did Legend of Korra afterwards, which uh, had like it has a you know a bit of a mixed opinion kind of thing. But, uh, I mean, like, uh, this could be... Um, obviously, they're doing the live-action um, series very soon. Yeah, the, exactly. That's why they're doing... That's why they released it in the first place. Not only because of, you know, Viacom CBS's agreement to release their stuff on Netflix, but also to hype up the live-action series. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, like, uh, do you see, like, all the other names that are on there as well? Like, you know, there's some pretty big hard-hitters over at Netflix, and to, to hold your own... And uh, I'm not saying that to, you know, Nef- you know, Avatar was supposed to expect to, to uh, stay at number one or anything like that, or even like, you know, j- but just to hang there, just for like, you know, the time, and like a whole new audience getting to discover this amazing, you know, Nickelodeon show, you know, exactly, like, yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, for, I'm, I took a look at the, the stuff that is on there and, you know, some of them are like movie, some of them are exclusive Netflix shows and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, like it has you know, stood the test of time. I mean, Avatar, I think, is the oldest out of, you know, all the stuff that has been in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, as far as I'm concerned, I think, uh, you know, Avatar, you know, massively deserved as well. So, I'm really glad that it's doing that, too. So, yeah, uh, I, mean, like it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like, uh, it's amazing about how, um, you know, it's essentially, like, it, it gotten like a second resurgence like you know a lot of people love this show when it came out in 2005 uh and then all of a sudden it's like you know 15 years later when you know it was released on netflix it's like now people are starting to fall in love with it all over again it's like it's amazing i mean it, it stands toe to toe with you know shows that have came out more recently so it's a, it's incredible you know yeah i just think uh, i mean mind you like do, do you think do you think nickelodeon's paying attention to this I don't think so. Yeah, like, you know, like, Nick, you know, in regards to, like, Nickelodeon, what, what's Nickelodeon currently doing at the moment in regards to, like, new shows and things like that? Like, I, I know they're doing the Loud House, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, like, uh, I feel like, you know, the Loud House and, like, the Casa Grandes and things like that, like, uh, yeah, that's that's all well and good, but, you know, you need some of, like, what Avatar is doing. You know, well, I, I, I think feel that like what they're it's... doing now, um, let's see, I, I know that they released a show called It's Pony uh, not too long ago, and I think it's called for a second season, and that's been doing really good. Glitch Text was released on Netflix, uh, which originally was supposed to be a Nickelodeon show, but, you know, that's gotten to be really successful. So, yeah, a lot of their newer stuff uh, has either, um, you know, been on Netflix or has been airing, and it's gotten some pretty decent reviews, so... Yeah, at least they're still doing stuff. I mean, Brian Robbins is still trying to give new shows a chance while at the same time try to revise the old shows. Mm-hmm. So, moving on, uh, seems Nick Cannon's managed to get himself sacked. Yep. Yep. 
And uh, this was due to anti-Semitic remarks made on his podcast, I believe. So, uh, oh, I mean, you're not going me. I'm not too familiar with the history of Nick Cannon. I mean, uh, where did he where did he start off with? In regards to well, uh, let's see. I mean, like. I mean, if you want to talk about where he started with like Nickelodeon, you know, he was one of the cast members of all that um, during the, I believe it was the fifth and sixth season. And then afterwards, he got his own show called The Nick Cannon Show, and then he became the vice president of Teen Nick. So yeah, he's had a major history with the ch- with the network itself. Yeah, and so I mean, obviously, I mean. Um, whatever he said on his podcast, I, mean, I didn't listen to his podcast, so I have no idea what he said in regards to uh, to that. But uh, I would just say that you know, unfortunately, in uh, you know, in the, the age age that we're in, and, you know, they 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 can't. I mean, like uh, anti-Semitism just isn't acceptable. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just I think Viacom CBS had no choice but to kind of let him go. Of, so. of course, I mean, like. You know, when something controversial comes in for somebody who was, you know, formerly working at their network, it's like, no, you're you're done. Dan Schneider, goodbye. Chris Savino, you're gone. So yeah, yeah. it's just they ain't gonna put up with it no more, and rightly so. You know, because at the end of the day, if you're gonna create an environment where everyone's gonna feel welcome, you can't have stuff like this going on. Nope. Yep. So. uh... Um, so just to kind of, uh, what is what's going on from today on July 16th, so Nick Cannon apologized Wednesday night for comments he called, quote, hurtful and devi- divisive after a te- after the television host and producer was dropped by Viacom CBS remarks, uh, the company called Anti-Semitic. Uh, Cannon wrote uh, on Twitter thread that he was ashamed of his comments and that uh, he made on his episode of uh, Cannon's Class podcast with uh, former Public Enemy member Richard uh, Professor Griff- <laughs> Griff- Griffin. Uh, in which uh, they discussed racial bias. Um, in the podcast episode, which was recorded uh, last year and aired on June 30th, uh, Cannon said that uh, black people are, quote-unquote, the true Hebrews, that uh, Jews have taken their identity, and that those who, without dark skin, uh, quote-unquote, have a deficiency and have acted as, quote-unquote, savages from history. Ugh. Oh, no, 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 no. You're no, not no. going to get back from that. I'm sorry. I mean, like... This, this is like a similar situation with like Paula Deen. Uh, for those who don't know, Paula Deen was a renowned, um, you know, cook who was very famous for her Southern cuisine at the Food Network. I mean, she was the face for the 90s and 2000s. But then she said one racial slur and immediately it was gone. And she was instantly replaced by Reed Drummond, uh, the pioneer lady. And now nobody hears from her. So yeah, that one thing can destroy you. And I wouldn't be surprised that this is the thing that will destroy Nick Cannon's career. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, there's, I mean, this was from five hours ago, which uh, we just, I'm not a chance to kind of fully look at this yet, but apparently there's, uh, uh, he's been fired for CBS, but uh, apparently there is some rumor going around he may end up at Fox. Which is uh, kind of weird. What? Kind of weird, but uh, uh, not too sure where that's come from. But uh, no doubt we'll find out soon enough if he uh, does turn up again. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like uh, he's. Uh, I mean- yeah, that means that every show that he's ever done, and you know, all of his um, you know positions uh, for these companies are going to be stripped away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this no is more, this no is so singer and no more hosting all the other shows that he's done. So, yeah, bye bye, Nick Cannon. Yeah, I mean, like uh, this is kind of like uh, a similar situation that we had. Do you remember when? Uh, oh, this was years ago, but uh, do you remember when Michael Richards, the guy who played Kramer on uh, uh, that uh, sitcom show um, uh, Seinfeld? Seinfeld. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, he he was doing his stand up and he started like you know using the N word. 
uh, against oh, White yeah. Lovers. Oh, good gravy. And we never heard from him again. Nope. Pretty much at that point. Oh, man. It's just, it's a, I would probably say it's similar to that situation. Yeah, no, that, that's that's exactly what's gonna happen. I mean, that that what he just said. Oh man, that is just ouch. Yeah, how are you? You yeah, I just you're, uh, you're not you're how, not gonna get back. You 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 can't. Yeah, those views are disgusting. You can't hold that. I'm nope. sorry. It's just it's uh, he's gonna. Um, I mean, what's gonna happen? Um, I mean, in regards to the future, it doesn't look very bright. I'll definitely tell you that. At this point, nope. I think he's uh, he's disqualified himself pretty much from mainstream media. I think for the foreseeable future, and because uh, you, you know, just uh, there's a, uh, I hate to discuss this as a trope, but uh, I mean, uh, it's safe to say that uh, I would say a certain amount of people in uh, you know in the entertainment industry have uh, have uh, are of the Jewish um, community. Absolutely. Say. So you can you you just I mean yeah that that's 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 death. I think pretty much yep. for your career. That's... That is that is beyond tone deaf. Yeah, I so, mean, like you know, he's, he's what about you know, you know, Steven Spielberg? I mean, hello. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, well, Nick Cannon, welcome aboard to the Outcast Club, where you'll be joining alongside with Dan Schneider, Chris Savino, and Butch Hartman for doing a whole bunch of stupid stuff and saying a whole bunch of stupid stuff, and your name will never be properly revered ever again. And probably the biggest star you'll probably have on your podcast will probably be Tommy Wiseau. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right, okay, well, moving that aside, I mean, we totally just... We, I, by the way, there's two people here who do podcasts on a regular basis. I mean, we totally deplore anti-Semitism. It is disgusting. And as yes. far as I'm concerned, especially yeah. Since, you know, since, especially since, you know, we are acquainted with people or... Um, you know, we've interviewed people who are of Jewish descent. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of friends that we have are Jewish. Yes. Like, wh- why would you say things like that? Like, it's just, it's so disgusting. And some of that as well, like, uh, here's the thing about this, like, uh, I've been very beneficial in my life to have so many people from different backgrounds. I've had friends who are Jewish, I've had friends who are Muslim, I have friends who are from different Christian denominations, and it's just, it's, uh, it, it, I, I can't get my head around the, the fact that some people out there can hold such horrendous beliefs. Yeah, and uh, for those who have been following my work for the longest time, uh, I did my list uh, back in 2012 or 13 about my top 50 influences. And for those who don't know about like who I was heavily inspired by to do content on, that person just so happens to be Jewish. Mm. So the fact that people are saying this is just absolutely deplorable. I know. So, so we totally, we totally, uh, you know, it, what he said was disgusting. We completely condemn it, and uh, I really hope that we've hammered that point in. That you know, yeah. anti-Semitism and any type of, uh, you know, hatred and racism towards uh, a group of people is unacceptable. Period. Oh, and, you know, and you know what that means, right? That they're probably going to, you know, because here's the thing: all that seasons one through six are available on Amazon. So what if they remove the episodes that featured Nick Cannon in there? Well, they could slightly edit them. I think you probably say. How? I mean, like, he's one of the main cast members over there. So that means that, you know, skits like the convenience store and skits such as, like, when he's in the classroom with, like, the rest of the gang and uh, the Spice Mm. Boys. Well, those are gone. uh, Who knows at this point? I mean, in regards to, I mean, they might just turn around and say, oh, we got this new all that. So, well, like, I mean, they, they already do technically. They already have the new all that for the new uh, generation. So yeah, yeah, and all that as well. Like uh, maybe they'll just probably just acknowledge that he's there, but not like promote him. 
if that makes sure. sense. So like, oh yeah, he's there, but not really people talk about him. You know, like, they probably do that. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think about this. Like, yeah, well, here's the thing about this. I don't mean to to to, to play down anything that he did. The language that he uses is disgusting. But I mean, like, it's not a. I would say that it's definitely a Michael Richards situation in regards to like, you know, n- never, you know, making sure they didn't properly like uh, acknowledge him or promote him or anything that way. But let's let's let's. let's, let's Put this into like uh, some kind of like uh, maybe some some kind of context. Like it's not a Chris Benoit situation where he 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 murdered his family and strangled himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's a so. I mean, what Viacom, CBS, they have basically got to weigh up like uh, you know what can I mean? Will they really cause that much offense if they decide to like keep episodes of him and all that? And decide to like you know oh, well uh, just say that oh well the the show is there but we don't really acknowledge him. If that makes sense, like, you know, all that's all about, like, you know, I mean, anything about this, like, the biggest star that's come out of all that has basically been Keenan Thompson. <laughs> Let's be honest about this. Like, he's I been. Mean, yes, that is true. I mean, if you want to go He's on Saturday that. Night Live. He's like, he's, he's, the, he's the biggest comedian they probably brought out, I would say. Yes, that is true. I mean, like, on television, yes. But, you know, if you want to go, like, for online stuff, some of the other uh, people have done successes there as well. So uh, television, yes, absolutely. You know, Keenan yeah, Thompson. Patricia, we're, we're '90s kids. Like, we don't have computers. <laughs> yeah, well, we do have computers, Aaron. It's just that we have it run on dial-up. <laughs> and and uh, you know, if you want to go like for Netflix, I mean, Gabriel Iglesias dominates that you know platform with not only his stand-up but his um, his Netflix series, Mr. Iglesias. So. You know, he we cannot rem- we cannot forget that he was actually a member of all that in season six. But that okay, was in, in, the, in the hip and trendy new media, yeah, I guess all that stars have done pretty have done pretty well for themselves. Though I think I think well, I mean I would still argue that the person who's who has like you know not only that that has got like movies under his name as well as he's got to be Keenan Thompson. Okay, fair enough. Think, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, moving away from that, talking about um, other falls from grace. I think, uh, is, um, do you see the review that, um, here's the thing about this, I'll give everyone the beginning of all of this, so, um, Chris Bors, the, also known as the Irate Gamer, who I've not mentioned on a show, I think, in probably a, a good decade, I think I'll probably say, maybe I made a reference to him probably in the old variation of the show when I was on Terrestrial, but I've not spoken of this guy since. I mean, I to be quite honest, I mean, he was like a punching bag, it's like, Oh, you know, angry video game nerd is really popular. Here we have the irate gamer, the guy who tries to emulate the angry video game nerd, but completely missed the point. I think I remember seeing a documentary or maybe like a preview of it a long time ago when, you know, internet reviewers were starting to become really popular. And there was this one guy, I I forget who he was, but there was this one guy who made a very excellent point about angry video game nerd imitators. It's like you have all of these reviewers who are constantly yelling at a video game, saying a whole bunch of curse words and obscene things. But what they seem to forget is that what made James Rolfe completely original was that not only was he yelling at the games, but he was also intellectually critiquing them and bringing out the good points in some of them. So, yeah, everybody else just said when they looked at it, it's like, oh, all I have to do is just be angry and I get millions of views, which is why a lot of people try to follow in that trend as well as the nostalgia critic trend, in which like all they need to do is just look at a movie that has flaws or maybe bad. And then all they have to do is just yell and nitpick and they'll get all the views that they need. Nowadays, that kind of stuff is like, 
you know, disregarded and more analytical and intellectual videos are being more revered now. Yeah, it's just this, uh, well, uh, mind you, I think in YouTube uh, world, I think uh, that's a... Uh that type of reviewing and I guess that type of commentary is still acceptable. Only that uh, these people are wearing MAGA hats now, you know. Oh. Like, uh, so oh. I know, but uh, you know, here's the thing about this. So um, the latest review that he brought out this week um, was the fact he made an announcement, like uh, oh, like uh, probably the week before, that he's finally going to do a crossover review with the Angry Video Game Nerd. Okay, like. I'm sure that it would have been a big deal like 15 years ago. But <laughs> the NES punk said exactly the same thing. <laughs> oh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't watch Pat the NES punk. So I did, I didn't, I, I, I that was just a complete coincidence. I know it is, but yeah, it's just this. Uh, um, yeah, exactly. But here's the thing about this: like the consensus across the internet is basically like, yeah, okay. Like, uh, I guess it's a good thing that uh, you know uh, both of them have decided to like you know. Uh, Probably more. Yeah, I get, here's the thing about this: I bet both of them have probably matured a lot more in the last 15 years. Oh, I think probably like, since you know, you know, a lot of a lot of these people who start, first started watching Angry Video Game Nerd were maybe at the oldest, like in college, or at the youngest, maybe like gosh, like 10 years or seven or 10 years old or something like that. But now that's been 15 years later. And, you know, the people who are in college are in their 30s and 40s and have already gotten their own lives. And the ones who are, you know, the younger kids are already in college. So, you know, obviously they've matured a lot since then. Yeah. But, you know, like uh, him announcing this has basically just unearthed a lot of old, you know, um, you know, a lot of old stuff that has basically come out. So um, I remember when I was listening to uh, part of the NES bunk on his... Uh, on his podcast, and he was bringing up all the fact that all the shit that, uh, you know, Chris Boss did, like, uh, you know, he pretty much uh, fed disinformation about, do you remember when he, t t he complained about the time when he suspected that uh, James Rolfe had uh, rigged the games trailers competition against him? Wait, what? Yeah, he, he made a, he, he did an entire video about he, how he feels that, uh, that uh, James Rolfe did that, with no proof whatsoever to back that up. And uh, now, um, obviously, that's been part of, like, the reason why people ridicule him, because he was so butthurt over the fact that he didn't win that Game Trailers contest. By the way, Game Trailers isn't around anymore, so, like, you know, what a, what, what, uh, what a prize. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I mean, like, here's the thing, you know, I, I love, I love Game Trailers. I mean, it's just that, you know, on, you know, very similar to Screw Attack, you know, they were just partnered with a different company, and then they were just, like, sucked dry to the point in which, like, they were limited to what they could do. So, Game Trailers, a few years ago, was bought by Viacom and then Viacom had like this massive shakeup and then game trailers was shut down and nowadays they're re-tooled um, into Easy Ally so they're still around yeah but yeah like the whole popularity contest of him trying to say oh you know uh this whole thing was rigged uh you know James Rolfe did this it's like no he didn't do it you, yeah, he you, didn't I mean, do it no. yeah like, why would he do that? Yeah, it's like, here's the thing about this, though. Like, you know, the fact that he came back, you know, uh, uh, you know a decade later, you know, more than a decade later, and all of a sudden say, oh, hey, you know, James, do you want to do a review, you know, with us? And, like, so he basically got, um, he basically did the review, and he, he promoted it as, you know, uh, AVGN versus the Irate Gamer. Notice that he didn't put himself first. He, he, he basically promoted that this was going to be an episode where he was going to take on the Angry Video Game Nerd and AVGN oh, was were, basically put on first. Where have we heard this before? Yeah, we heard this like 12 years ago 
with the nostalgia critic versus the angry video gamer, except that at least there was build up to that. At least there were like a few episodes and a few short videos promoting that this was going to happen with them going up against each other. And then, you know, them meeting up over at the, um, at the, what was it? The comic book store or something saying, I challenge you to do this. So there was actually build up to that, but this came out right out of nowhere. Yeah. Do you know what's funny about like, you know, the final conversation is that James Rolfe hadn't even bothered to read the script until Doug Walker arrived. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> so like, that's how disinterested well not disinterested I mean here's the thing about James Rolfe he's a really cool guy from what I've heard from other people like I've never actually got a chance to kind of meet him my- he meet him myself so like as far as I'm aware like uh, I can't remember the last time if he-, if he ever did actually come to the UK or not I'm not too sure I mean he- I'm sure he actually has come to Europe at some point but uh, whether he's come to the UK around, the- around my neck of the woods I don't think he has but uh, from what I've heard from other people, he is actually a really cool and really laid-back guy, and uh, he just enjoys what he does and everything like that. And he doesn't hold any grudges or any, uh, you know, any angst against any other people on the internet at all. Like, you know, that's the reason why he's been so successful, probably because he's been he's been so cool with everyone, in regardless of basically mm-hmm. what they say about him. And so, um, you know, here comes Chris Ball. Anyway, going back to what I was saying before, we're coming back with Chris Balls, who 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 comes back into the area again. By the way, that's not his most successful uh, thing that he's done online so far. He's actually been doing like children's material and things like that, which is really weird. Like, you know, when you're doing something that's headed towards children, why the hell would you re- resurrect the the Eric gamer? Uh, I mean, like uh, that's just it's just it's kind of like me, like you're going towards like you know uh, having a, having a skin on a WB Kids, and then all of a sudden I come back to do this, and you know start you know, ranting and raving, saying all 13s wears. And by the way, when you have Asperger's syndrome, you're in another five. So like uh, that's the reason why it's not seven. But uh, yeah, in regards to um, this whole thing, like yeah, one, it was done way too late. Way, to, too way, way too late. No, you know, various people, like, unless you're, like, just jadedly interested from, like, you know, because you followed the whole drama from yesteryear, then, yeah, you had some interest, which includes people like myself. And uh, I, like, I didn't actually, like, probably watch the review. I just kind of, like, was watch clips of it just to kind of, like, get an idea. Because the idea that I want to give, like, a, you know, Chris Bors my full set of attention is, you know, is uh, that'll be the day. But uh, I, I just watched, like, some a couple of clips with it. And, oh, my goodness. Like, he built this whole thing up like Avengers Endgame. You know, for like uh, for for that that week before the review to actually took place, and then when we actually got to the review, James Rolfe only appears in like two minutes of it. That's it. Yeah, like basically what they did was that uh, James Rolfe like pre-recorded his lines and then gave them to Chris Boss to edit into the review. He doesn't even turn up. He, like, here's the thing about this. Like, you know, uh, I despise Doug Walker now and uh, and the Channel Awesome and everything like that. But here's where I give credit. At least Doug Walker managed to get angry video. At least he managed to get James Rolfe to turn up at his studio in Chicago. That's true. I mean, and also, uh, at least they were able to collaborate with each other multiple times uh, until it was, you know, revealed that, you know, Doug Walker was essentially a jerk and uh, everything horrible in between. But. Uh, at least they, I mean, but here's the thing. Are are Ian and James going to collaborate with each other again? Um, well, Chris, well, Chris I, I have no idea I mean, at this Chris, point. Chris. I'm, so, I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah, or Chris, yeah, I mean, because here's the thing. Like, you know, they build it up. It's like, oh, you know, people are interested in, like, um, you know, tuning into the IRA Gamer again. And, you know, maybe it's like, oh, maybe, who, who knows? Maybe it'll be very similar to... What? Um, so well, we, we get, well, well, every time we get, what? So, uh, oh, hey, angry, you know, the IRA Gamer's back. You know, see you, see you later again in three months. When I finally bothered to complete another review, like you know, <laughs> like uh, yeah, like uh, his his release schedule was terrible. Like you know, the fact that he may have brought this the angry the angry gamer back 
Well, like, unless he's going to be doing, like, uh, I mean, unless he's going to be doing something different, I really don't, really, I really don't get it. To be honest with you, like, uh, I mean, I just feel like the ship has sailed at this point. Like, uh, there's, uh, they say that there's only, like, two re angry reviewers left who are currently doing this type of thing. That's, uh, that's uh, James Rolfe himself and Chris Bors. And as far as I'm concerned, like, uh, you know, uh, AVGN is enough for me. By the way, like, uh, we actually didn't get to this part yet. You know, he wrote this whole thing up like Avengers Endgame. Guess what, guess what game he ended up reviewing? Um... Hmm. What? Dick Tracy. Really? Yeah. Like it's just it makes no sense at all. Like he's like he's playing it like oh this is the game I know that uh, AVGN never beat but I'm gonna try and beat it now. Which you know at this point you're just kind of disinterested. Uh, like uh, whether he beat it or not because we already know like from the review and by the way James Roll did a follow-up update to tell us basically more about the game so there's not really much else you need to kind of like know about uh, Dick Tracy on the NES except for basically what was shown by James Rolfe in that angry video game nerd episode so you know like I just skipped over like him talking about Dick Tracy because I already know all that from James Rolfe anyway so like in a way it made the whole review so redundant like you would have thought they would have put in some bits where like you know they were fighting each other or something like that or like uh, they'd be debating about other games or they like there's, there's so much you could have done with this and they just chose not to he just he just chose not to do anything with it mm -hmm. and he played this whole thing like oh it's AVGN versus Irate Gamer no it's the Irate Gamer with um, James Rolfe appearing for like two minutes if, uh, if wow. that I mean it, you know it, it kind of like sounds like those public domain movies in which like they put a major celebrity in the front of the cover of the VHS tape and he only shows up for like maybe a few minutes but you know his name is top bill so that means a lot of people are going to buy it and they're going to see it and be disappointed with it it kind of reminds me of that you know anyway, you know you know why those movies exist because they got big being being in a major movie somewhere else before they ended up in that movie yeah yeah exactly so yeah disappointment isn't really a word and uh i just it feels weird it feels like you kind of like bit your like 2000 2000s self has kind of like been asleep this entire time and all of a sudden someone prods it with a stick and wakes it up and then he, he gets up and he's like you woke me up for this like and then <laughs> i'm going back to sleep so like yeah, uh, that, that's, it's that's, like you know it's like 2000s nostalgia is not even like prominent just yet. We're still in the brink of the 90s nostalgia, especially in our pop culture. I mean, we're slowly getting there, you know, because you know Avatar: The Last Airbender has gotten a ton of views, and you know a lot of people have been looking back on shows such as like Justice League and Static Shock and Teen Titans and various other things. But yeah, I mean, like we haven't reached that point yet in which like well, a lot of well, I think you know you and I, I think we'll always be kind of stuck in 90s nostalgia. I think uh, for people who like growing up in the uh, 2000s, I think for those who have that type of childhood, I think they will basically appreciate the nostalgia far more than we do because I mean, let's face it, you know, you and I were in our, you know, in uh, what well, was it was our time when we were between like, uh, oh, um, like between when we were five and you know, 15. I think at yeah, that time, about. yeah, it's about so like anyone else who's going through that decade and who will be looking at the the nineties, so the way they'll be looking at the two thousands, the same way you I, the same way you and I would be looking at the nineties. You know, like uh, it's they're gonna find far more treasure in it, I think, than you and I are. I think because uh, <laughs> I think I think with this is like you know with these other decades that we're gonna go through, I think we're gonna be going through it as adults. So you know, like uh, we won't be looking back on it, I don't think, as fondly as various other ones. Maybe. Um, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some exceptions, but I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. So. Anyway, on that very adult note, I think we'll leave it there. So. Okay. Uh...
cool. All right, everybody. If you want to find me on, uh, on well, you want to find my side of things. Uh, by the way, I, I will work on trying to get the Arrow Meta Show back and uh, getting the Arrow and Patricia going, going up on its own thing. I'm just working on that as we speak. Um, so if you want to find me anyway, it's uh, facebook.com forward slash Arrow Meta Show. If you want to ask me a question on Tumblr, it's arrowmeta.tumblr.com. Uh, and Instagram is also at Arrow Meta Show, A-R-U-N-M-E-H-T-A-S-H-O-W. And also you can find me on Twitter as well, on Arrow Meta Show. So, uh, and Patricia, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Sure. Um, YouTube.com slash Old School Lane, Facebook.com slash Old School Lane. I'm on Twitter at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. You can find my archived podcasts on um, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Radio Public, all those places. So, um, yeah, I think that... Um, that's, for, that's it for the most part. Mm-hmm. And also, just to let you also know that uh, the Aaron Mr. Show podcast feed will also be coming to Spotify very soon. Um, so I'll let you know further on the details. But until then, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to episode 21 of Aaron and Patricia on the 19th of July of 2020. Take care and bye for now. See you later.